Good to see all of you this morning. Um, my name's Jordan. I'm on uh, serve on the preaching team here at Missio Day Church. Um, and uh, today is kind of a significant day for me because today I am officially the father of a teenager. Um, so let's just close in prayer. Um, but uh, being the father of a uh, middle schooler, one of the things that you learn quickly is there is little to no sugarcoating or tact uh, when they give you their opinion on something, okay? So um, this past winter, I was rocking a, a sweet beard, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was leading me to shave it into a mustache because uh, that's just, the, you know, the Spirit moves in mysterious ways. And so um, I shaved it into a mustache, and I uh, the first time when Kayla saw it, she said, uh, you're done. No. Uh, she said, that looks a little sus, okay? Um, and so now the polar opposite of that would be essentially – if you like anyone who lives in the South, okay, like if you've ever been in the South, my wife Emily went to college in the South. I went to high school in the South, but they are like incredible at subtly being fake, and you would have no idea because they're so stinking nice, okay. So they'll say things like "bless your heart," okay. I'm going to tell you right now, "bless your heart." The translation of "bless your heart" is you're a flipping idiot, okay. That's what that means, okay. Very different from the person who just kind of says it like it is, no sugarcoating, no beating around the bush. And maybe you know this kind of person that just kind of says it like it is. Um, maybe they're actually in this room right now. Um, I remember uh, a few years ago I was in a Young Life Committee meeting, and uh, someone was sharing their opinion on something. And after they shared that, somebody else on the committee said, wow, I couldn't disagree more. So, um, boom, there you go, in your face. Um, but uh, now it's one thing to be sort of unapologetically honest with your spouse, a family member, or even a close friend. But my guess is that if we were to imagine being that brutally honest with God, uh, we might feel a bit different. Whether We might kind of bristle at that idea and think that there's no way. And yet our text this morning, we have Moses doing that very thing by how he speaks to God. And as a result of that, I think it opens up some potentially transformative realities for us individually and as a church. Uh, this is our seventh week in the book of Exodus. And this morning we're going to be looking at Exodus 5, uh, 22 to 6, 13. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, um, go ahead and turn to Exodus 5, 22, uh, and we're going to read till 6, 13. And here's what it says. Then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you mistreated this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has mistreated this people, and you have done nothing at all to deliver your people. Then the Lord said to Moses, now, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand he will let them go. By a mighty hand he will drive them out of his land. God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did, not, uh, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they, resi uh, they resided as aliens. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are holding as slaves. And I have remembered my covenant. Uh, say, therefore, to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from the slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. 
You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will give you and I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses told this to the Israelites, but they could not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their cruel uh, and their cruel slavery. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the Israelites go out of this land. But Moses spoke to the Lord, the Israelites have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me, poor speaker that I am? Thus the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders regarding the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, charging them to free Israelites from the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. So I want us to spend a good chunk of time kind of pausing at the beginning part of this passage in verses 22 and 23 where Moses speaks to God. As I alluded to earlier, um, just like the kind of tell-it-like-it-is person, Moses is unapologetically honest with God. and In fact, I, I would say that that description uh, of Moses' interaction is perhaps putting it even a bit mild. And, and maybe you've been in those uh, work meetings where someone offers up an absolutely horrible idea, and then somebody asks your opinion on what was just said, and you have to find a nice way to say that that's the dumbest idea that you've ever heard of, Right? You might say something like, huh, interesting idea. I like where your head's at. Why don't we workshop that a little bit? Maybe we can get a Google Doc and kind of um, collaborate on that a little bit. Um, or like, uh, but, but Moses doesn't do anything like that. M- Moses doesn't say, uh, Lord, I love your initial plan, uh, but we've hit a few speed bumps along the way. What do you say we try pr- uh, plan B? Um, he makes some bold accusations of God. Moses makes these three claims. He says, you have mistreated your people, you should have never sent me, and you have done nothing at all to deliver your people. Wow. Moses does not hold back. And he has some, you know, serious cojones to make some of those statements. Um, Cajones is Hebrew for gusto, I believe. Um, But here's what I want us to see. In the beginning of chapter 6, when the Lord responds to what Moses had said, Notice that the Lord essentially makes no direct reference whatsoever to what Moses said. And he doesn't really respond to it at all. It reminded me of the parable of the prodigal son that Jesus tells in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus tells us that the father who sees the son, uh, he runs to him, he embraces him, and the son had prepared this speech asking for forgiveness from the father. And in the story, the father doesn't even acknowledge the speech. Instead, he says, bring the fattened calf, let's celebrate. God doesn't rebuke Moses for what he said. God didn't say, how dare you speak to me like this? Don't you know who I am? Who are you to say that I've done nothing for my people? There's nothing remotely close to that. Not even one word. Why didn't God just say, okay, you say I haven't done anything for my people? Fine, I will find someone else who actually will believe in me and my plan. The fact that the Lord does not rebuke Moses for what he said and how he said it, and the fact that God actually says nothing at all in reference to Moses' statement, I think it tells us something. I think it tells us that this is a God full of grace and humility because he gives Moses the space to air his honest frustrations with the Lord, his doubt, his pain, and perhaps even his anger at God and his rescue project for his people. 
what a beautiful thing that God would give Moses the grace and the space to do that. What, what a powerfully freeing experience that must have been for Moses. And, and my guess is that this kind of honest talk to God uh, not only seems foreign to us, but perhaps we might see it as a bit dishonoring or just downright blasphemous. And yet, as you read the scriptures, the way in which Moses spoke spoke is certainly not a flash in the pan. Just look at the Psalms. They are chocked full of groaning and lament to the Lord. The psalmist says things like, where are you? Why are you assailing me? My tears have been my food day and night. Or, or the disciples in the boat shouting out to Jesus, don't you care if we drown? There's a, a scriptural precedent for this kind of honest unloading of frustration, hurt, doubt, and anger to a God who will give us the grace and the space to do it. God can handle it. I, I hope that's good news for us this morning. Your frustration at God, your doubt, your anger, God can handle it. God became a human in Jesus and took on the full weight of sin and death for all of humanity and rose from the dead. I think he can handle your groaning and frustrations. So we shouldn't be afraid of it. Because remember, this, this is God. It's not like these are surprises to him. When Moses shares all of these honest things, I don't think God thought, I had no idea. Wow, this is news to me. Of course God knew how Moses felt. And I think that's why he gives him the space to empty all of that out and as a result be, be kind of freed from it. Moses had to have a sense of release after getting all of that out. And perhaps God knew that that's what needed to happen in order for God's plan through Moses to continue on so that his people might be rescued. Friends, I hope that you have all had moments with the Lord like Moses did. And if you have not had moments where you have spoken to the Lord the way that Moses did, then I think you are missing out on a deeper level of spiritual growth and maturity. And, and I don't say that as an indictment, but rather as an invitation. An invitation to experience a new sense of freedom by being released from the bondage created from, from those bottled up frustrations that we all have towards God. Uh, in, in February, I took a, uh, a class called um, Protestants and Catholics Ministering Together um, in, in the context of, of, of Young Life. And I was talking to uh, this one of my Catholic brothers, and, and he um, uh, was sharing about confession and, and, and the powerful effect when you sit across from someone else and you say out loud these things that you've done. And then when you walk out of the confessional, there's a sense of release that it's out and has no more power over you. I think that, that, this, that that's kind of connected to maybe how Moses felt when he releases all of this. I think I've mentioned this before, but one of the requirements for being on full-time Young Life staff is that you would take a day of solitude a month, one day a month. And so every month I go down to the Marie Joseph Spiritual Center, which is kind of like this Catholic retreat house on the beach. It's a rough life. Um, but uh, I remember specifically one day of solitude where I'm sort of walking on the beach and praying, as I often do. And I had a kind of a similar experience that, that Moses had. I was saying, Lord, where are you? You have not come through for me. I have sacrificed so much and you are doing nothing. And I remember looking up after I said that and looking at the ocean 
And it was just kind of like this peaceful day. And I had this sense from the Lord where he said, I'm so glad that we finally got that out. So if this morning you are filled with frustrations towards God, doubt, pain, or maybe even anger, I pray that even within the next 24 hours that you would make the time to honestly and authentically empty all of that out before the Lord because then you can be free from it. So as we look at God's response, I want us to look at the how and the why. How God responds and then ask why God responds the way that he does. So how God responds, uh, God reminds Moses who he is, I am the Lord, verses 2 of chapter 6. God reminds Moses what he has done, verses 3 and 4. God reminds Moses what he will do, verses 7 through 9. And then God reminds Moses that he still has a calling to live out and a job to do. So God reminds Moses who he is, what he has done, what he will do. And he reminds Moses about his calling that he still has and the job that he has to do. Now, why? Why does God respond the way that he does? Well, if you've been alive as a human being, living in this world for any amount of time, you've, chances are you've experienced pain, loss, suffering, frustration, doubt. And when we experience those things and go through those seasons, we can tend to lose sight of some foundational realities. We forget who God is. We forget who we are. We forget what God has done, and we forget what God has promised to do. This is why God responds the way that he does. He knows Moses. He made Moses. And just like Moses, he knows you. He made you, and because he made you, he knows you. He responds in a way that will meet the longings of what we really need to reorient to what is true, good, real, and beautiful, even in the midst of all of our frustrations. The Lord knows that our tendency as human beings is to have the things that frustrate us, give us pain, make us angry, become the things that can grab the attention of our hearts, minds, and lives. Just like Peter looked at the waves when he got out of the boat and forgot to look at Jesus. Just like the disciples who cried out in fear of the storm and forgot who was in the boat with them. As a parent, when my kids have experienced loss, failure, or frustration, what will, without a doubt, grab all their attention is not what, who God is and um, uh, who they are, and, but the pain that's right in front of them. In that moment, nothing else matters, and nothing else feels true but that loss, that failure, and that frustration that they are experiencing in that moment. So hopefully, if I'm in a healthy place as a parent, I can give them the space to empty all of that, all of their groaning and frustration, and then be able to redirect their attention of their hearts and minds to say, this is who God is. This is who you are. This is what God has done, and this is what God will continue to do. It's a kind of a spiritual reset button to reset and reorient to what is true, good, real, and beautiful. 
Now, we would, of course, prefer for our frustrations, the hurt, pain, anger, just to be taken away. I know I would. That would be so much easier, right? But perhaps the reason that God doesn't want to take away some of those hard things that we see, feel, and experience is because he wants to teach us how to see, how to feel, and how to experience. Teach us how to see, feel, and experience both the good and the bad, both the beauty and the horror, both the joy and the sadness. And I am so grateful that the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, the God of the Scriptures, the God that we worship and follow, knows and loves us so intimately that he would respond in a way that meets the deepest needs and longings of our very being. And I don't want to miss what God's final response to Moses is in verses 10 and 11. 11. Look at those two verses. When God attempts to reorient Moses by saying who God is, what God has done, and what God will do, he doesn't reorient Moses for the sake of Moses so he can feel better. He does it for Moses for the sake of his rescue project for his people. God wants Moses to be reoriented to what is true, good, real, and beautiful so that Moses can revel in that incredible news, but also... So Moses can continue to carry out his calling and his job. God reorients Moses and then reminds and restores him to his calling and his role in the rescue story. God wants to reorient us in those moments, just as he did with Moses. But he doesn't do that just so we can revel in it and continue to live comfortably and safe. He does it because he is calling us to a role, to a task in his plan of rescue for the world. We are being reoriented for rescue. Jesus didn't defeat sin and death so that we can wait around to go to heaven when we die. Jesus rescued all of creation, including you and me, and then invites us to participate in his new creation project. So my hope is that this church can be a place where we give one another the space and the grace to honestly voice our frustrations with God. Just as God did for Moses. That we would be a people who remind one another of who God is, who we are, what God has done, and what God has promised to do. In the movie Dead Poet Society, uh, the late Robin Williams plays uh, the main character, Mr. Keating, who is this English teacher who was recently hired at a very prestigious all-boys boarding school for, for, for the wealthy. And the story is, is set in the 1950s. And Mr. Keating is a kind of revolutionary teacher who colors outside the lines and tries to encourage his students to do the same. And one day in class, he huddles all of the students together and shares with them the purpose and beauty of studying poetry. And he tries to connect to them in a way that gets them to think about how they will live their lives in the future. And he says this. He says, the powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. The powerful play goes on, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Friends, the powerful play of God's rescue story for the world goes on. 
and we as Missio Dei Church can contribute a verse. You as a follower of Jesus and bearer of good news can contribute a verse. And my hope is that we can be courageous enough as a church and as individuals to both know our verses and play them well so that all of creation might experience the goodness of what the Lord said to Moses. I am the Lord, and I will free you. I will deliver you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. You shall know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you. Let's pray. Father, I pray for my sisters and brothers in this room who are frustrated with you, who are experiencing loss and pain and doubt and anger. I pray that even within the next 24 hours that we would make the time and space to air all of these things to you because you are a God of humility and grace that will give us that space to air all of those frustrations and that you are so much bigger and you can handle our deepest pain and frustrations. I pray that we would respond to the invitation to freedom that can come from doing that, that we would be a people who air those grievances and not bottle them up, but be free from them. And that we would be reminded of who you are, what you have done, what you will continue to do, and that we all have a calling and a role in your rescue project. And you will be with us through all of it that we will not travel these roads alone, but you will be with us. And the powerful play of your rescue project goes on, and you have invited each one of us and this church to contribute a verse. Give us the wisdom and the courage to be faithful stewards of the verses that you have given us to play and to say. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.